Jesus and the Bible. Listen, we're doing two-a-days. This is our last set of two-a-days. And all of you are like, thank you, Jesus. Um, you know what? Those are big hits. Part of, I played football. This is, this, somebody asked me what, the, what this had to do with this is the t, this is my high, this is a high, the t-shirt from my high school where I used to play in St. Pete, Florida. Rebel, Rebel, uh, Dixie Hollands Rebels. This shirt is not 25 years old, I promise. I bought it three years ago. We were on vacation. We went to go see a game while we were there, and they had a t-shirt stand I couldn't resist, so I bought one. I actually have one that's 25 years old still in a bin at my house, I promise. I pulled out every now and then and, and, and relived the glory days, you know what I mean, in my mind, and uh, which weren't very glorious, honestly. And, uh, um, and on lots of levels, and um, and I played defense for a lot of years. There's something about football and that contact portion of football that just gets my motor running, man. I'm, I, I, play, I played wide receiver for one year and hated every minute of every game. Of, uh, I hate it because, you know what, I just, I just wanted to hit somebody. Here I am, way, and I, way out here like, am I offside? Okay. Back to the huddle, you know, and I just, I just, I was just horrible. I love the fact that you could make an impact and, and, and have impact. Um, there's something about that. There's something about delivering that hit. There's something about making that contact. Um, is, is, you know, football is a contact sport. I heard somebody say earlier this week on the on the on the radio, it is contact. And but you know what? It's impossible to be a football player and not touch someone. It's impossible to be a on the football field and not be touched. It's impossible. And our, uh, the last three weeks, we've been talking about how we stay connected to God. We talked about our power and our programming. Last week, we talked about how we stay connected to one another as the body of Christ. And this week, we're going to talk about our connection and our impact with those who are outside of here. See, because as, uh, as Christians who are following Christ, we can't expect not to make contact. We can't expect not to touch someone. We can't expect not to be touched. Are you hearing me? If you are, if you are part of the body of Christ, or you, let me, let me, I should re, let me, let me retract. If you think you're a part of the body of Christ and think you can get by without making contact or making connections, you are, I, I wonder. Are you hearing me? We as as God's people are called to have an impact. I got to sit in a in a, in, a, in, a, in a special reception last night. Pastor Steve Schmidt from Tabernacle Baptist Church is retiring officially today. He's he's probably delivering his next to last message. He probably just got done finishing delivering his next to last message as the pastor of Tabernacle Baptist Church after 21 years. And one guy said because up at the podium last night and said this word said, you know, Steve, you hear about being the pebble and, and the ripples that go out. He said, Steve, you're you're not a pebble, you're a big stinking boulder that got thrown into the water that just splashes everywhere. But you know what? That may be true of Steve Schmidt. The place was packed last night. It was unbelievable. I sat there, balled my eyeballs out in the corner, just looking around, going, dude, it must, wow, wow. We're called to be those things that make contact, that make impact. All of us, not just me, not just Patrick because he's the worship leader, not just the, the children's church workers, not just the, the, the people on TV and the missionaries overseas. We collectively and individually as the body of Christ are called to, to make an impact, are called to have contact, are called to make connections. Every one of us are called to be that. 
and, and, and we got to find our way to do. There was one thing. There was, I need a help. Dad, would you stand up for a minute, please? I used to play football. Just stand right there. Don't move until I tell you to. I used to, I used to, I used to play football, and one of, the thing, one of the drills we used to do was called a pursuit tackling drill. Okay, and kind of set it up for you. If I have blocking, I we'd set line up as a defense. They would set up dummies, lay down dummies on the on the ground, and we were there, there, there's a part of football that requires pursuit. Sometimes the play doesn't happen in front of you, and you've got to realize where the play's going and try and get there to be a part of making the tackle. Do you get what I'm saying? And so they would set up these dummies. Don't don't sit down yet. What are you doing? I'm not done with you yet. How you feeling this morning? Okay, good, good, good. Okay. I hope you're still feeling good here in a minute. Anyway, and and um, uh, and you you were allowed to make contact with the offensive player. He took off his glasses. And um, until a certain point that the coach had deemed beyond this certain dummy. And so you had to figure out as a defensive player once they takes off running where you had to go because all of us are at a different spot on the field. I might play outside linebacker. Somebody else might be playing defensive end on the other end of the ball. Somebody may be back here playing safety. Somebody else may be up here. And they're all, they're all, their goal is all the same, to bring the runner down. And so we would we'd take this drill and run. So that way you just slowly kind of like you're running down the field, okay? Oh, slowly. I mean, we don't run through, I don't want to run into the door. So I, I would take off like this, and I would figure out where that runner is going to be. And it was important for me to pursue correctly and then – Make contact. Let's see, I just messed up. You guys didn't even know that. Because at the end of the drill, there's also this thing called form tackling. It's important to make the pursuit. Don't stop. Just stay right there. It's important to make the pursuit and figure out where somebody's going to be. But without the wrap-up, it doesn't make any difference if you connect or not. Okay, we as Christians are called to figure out needs, figure out where lives and people are, figure out where society's going, figure out where the culture around us, where the community's going, and pursue because Jesus came to do what? Seek and save that which was right. And he's a seeker. Okay? He's seeking to save that which is lost. We, as people in the body of Christ, should be in a defensive posture to a degree where we see what's moving in, around us, the people around us, the families around us, the community around us, and figure out where they're going and figure out how we can get involved in the process. But here's the thing. If we don't wrap up, all our pursuit means nothing. See, a proper form tackle is this. You want to, I won't put you on the ground, I promise. No injuries today. Okay. A proper form tackle is this. You get as low as you can. You make sure your head's in front of the runner. You bring your hips, your arms, everything you got. How many guys, how many, how many guys like working out like doing squats? Anybody like that? See, I don't, I don't see any hands whatsoever. Our coach would have us do squats over and over again. You know why? Because as a football player, that's where your juice comes from. That's where your power comes from. If you're going to make a deliver a lick, it's going to be right from that middle section of your body, make it boom. And so we, he'd say, get low, as low as you can. How low can you go? I don't know. And, and you come through, and you, you try and get lower than that person, and then you just sh- you shoot your arms. Your head should be on the front of them always. And like that. Okay? If I hit him, if I just come down here like this, I, exp- I showed you a piece. No, I didn't. I wanted to. I couldn't find it. I showed you a piece of video. One, my senior season, homecoming game. I make a pursuit on a quarterback. They're running an option team. Anybody know what an option is? Anybody watch option? And the coach told me, he's going to come your way all day. I made the pursuit. I forgot where to make contact. You know what I forgot to do? I didn't wrap. 
So I hit him as hard as I can. I saw stars. I hit him so hard. And he bounced back about three. He shook his head and then kept running 65 yards. Touchdown. It was the pivotal point of the game, I promise. I didn't wrap up. I'm sweating already. No way Jay go through a full practice, brother. Jay, Jay, Jay and Grove City Christian just won, what was it, 61 to 12 yesterday? Woo. You can tell he's got the marks of a coach. He's got the hat line, the sunglass line, everything going on. He's been out in the sun all day yesterday. Um, but we've got to make the wrap up, okay? Our fundamentals today are two things, okay? Thanks, Deb. We've got to have the pursuit, but we also got to have the wrap up. We got to combine every one of those hits you see up there. Dude, it's just killer football, man. I get, oh, man. I want to, like, are you ready for some football? Buckeyes play next week. I'm kind of a little bit apprehensive, but what's going to shake out of that? But I'm really, I'm really kind of excited about it. Got to make the contact, but you got to make the wrap up, too. And, the, and, and, and we are called to seek and save which lost, to pursue those lost without Christ, then wrap them up and take them to the place where they bow before Christ. The whole object of the pursuit tackling is to bring a runner to the ground, to make contact with them, and then wrap them up and take them to the ground. Our whole idea as Christians is to pursue, to seek and save that which is lost, and to wrap them up until they fall to the ground before Jesus. To put the biggest, ugliest, nastiest bear hug on them, give them the love of Jesus, the truth of the gospel until they collapse in front of him. That's what we're called to do. If you think you can just get by being a Christian and not have an impact and not connect with people and not influence in some way, you, gotta, you better rethink what your Christianity is all about because that is Christianity. God came, God sent his only son to save the world. Is that right? For God loved the world in this way, right? I don't have my do-rag on, so I'm not going to go any further. That's why we exist. That's why we are here. Matthew 5, look at me, Matthew 5. There's a piece of Scripture, Matthew 5, where Jesus talks about this exact thing. He's been doing the Sermon on the Mount. He's talked about the Beatitudes, the characteristics of those who are in the kingdom. He goes through some other stuff. And then he, he, he gives us this piece of Scripture. Matthew 5, 13 through 16. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp that puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a basket. It's placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The word deeds there is a Greek word. It's, it's ergon. It has to do with energy. It has to do with work. It has to do with labor. It has to do with employment. It has to do with being occupied with something. It has to do with an enterprise, an undertaking, an industry. See, what Jesus is saying is there's something for us to accomplish, there's something for us to get done. There's a business about the kingdom. There's an industry that we're to be employed in. There is something for us to be about doing. For a long time, uh, the, the monasteries grew around Europe and other places. You know why? Because the people were following God, but they had to hide away from everything and everyone. And I think that broke the heart of our Father. 
Because he intended for this to radically change the entire world. Jesus wants there to be work accomplished on his behalf and his name. It talks about, it has has a significance of of a task or a job, but it also has to do with workmanship, how you do what you do, and the the quality of the thing done. So when we're talking about this, the Bible knowledge commentary says, talk about this passage of Scripture in Matthew 5, it says, to demonstrate the impact these people would make on their world, Jesus used two common illustrations. He used salt and light. Salt has to do with the character of a person. Light has to do with the influence of a person, the impact of their lives. These are two pictures of the Christian in in the closing of this beatitude statement. He says, salt and light. Salt speaks of inward character that influences a, a decaying world. Light speaks of the outward testimony of good works that points to God. Our task is to keep our lives pure that we might salt this earth and hold back corruption that the gospel can get out. Our good works must accompany our dedicated lives as we let our lights shine. Warren Wiersbe says. This idea of salt... Salt, how many guys like, how many, how many of you guys are salt people? Be honest. I mean, you don't have to taste, you don't have to, you don't have to taste the food, right? I mean, as soon as the, the plate sat before you, you reach for the shaker. How many, let's have confession here. You know that's bad for you, right? I'm just kidding. No, I'm just, um, how many, I can do that. No, let's raise the other hand. How many of you have problems with high blood pressure? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and salt, we love salt, don't we? How many of us are just like, dude, you just can't get by without it, right? Huh? Salt makes things flavorful. You know something I also notice about salt? It makes you really thirsty. Ever notice that? Salt also preserves, doesn't it? In a commentary, the Bible knows commentary, it says this about Matthew, Matthew 5. Jesus' followers would be great, would be like salt in that they would create a thirst for greater information. When one sees a unique person who possesses superior qualities in specific areas, he desires to discover why that person is different. It is also possible that salt means these people serve as a preservative against the evils of society. Whichever view one takes, the, the important quality to note is that the salt ought to maintain its basic character. If it fails to be salty, it has lost its purpose for existence and should be discarded. Here's my point. This fundamental right now is about our character. Our character is followers of Christ. We can get really active about the things of God, but if we have no character attached to it, it means nothing. Our actions mean nothing. Our words mean nothing. Our character is, is, is of utmost importance both to the world outside and to our Father in heaven. Not that we're perfect. How many of you are perfect out there? I didn't think so. I didn't mean to raise my hand. I was just trying to get people who, I mean, I should go, how many of you are perfect? None of us are. But we're at a work in progress, and there should be a, a work of character going on on each side, inside of each of us. This work of character created thirst for greater information. There's an example. What, what we're talking about here is what's going on on the inside. See, what's on the inside has to come to the outside. If we're people of love, of hope, of joy, of peace, of all that, then it will come out in how we live every day. And that's not something we conjure up. That's just something we are. How many of you have heard the statement, that guy's just a real character? Quit looking at me, okay? Um, 
The example, the example I wanted to look at right now is the example of the great commandment. Jesus says the greatest thing you can, you can do, the greatest thing you can follow through on is where your love starts. Did you know that? From the inside out. Luke 10, the scriptures say this. A teacher of the law came to Jesus, stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, Well, what's written in the law? So you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He said to him, you've answered correctly, so do this and you will live. You won't merely exist, you will live. Is that cool? It starts with this love thing, this love for God, his love for us first and foremost, our love for him, and then our love being translated into our, uh, that love being translated into love for others. The first, the first two commandments, Jesus said. The, most, the greatest things you can do is love God with every corpuscle of your being, everything that you are. And the second greatest thing you can do is love other people. Man. And the guy goes, so the guy wanted to make sure he was on track. He says, hey, uh, who's my neighbor, Jesus? And Jesus responds, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him dead. And by chance, a priest going down that, that road, on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the palace and saw him, or the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion, and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. He, Jesus looks at the guy and says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said, go and do the same. But you notice something. These other two guys on the road were involved in activity. In fact, they were fulfilling their commission as a priest and a Levite. They were so caught up with that, they just kept right on going. But there's something that happens on the inside of this Samaritan guy that wasn't resident on the inside of the other two guys. Because the first thing the Bible says about him is he had compassion. Before he did anything, something on the inside happened. There was something about this Samaritan's character that motivated him to, to respond. It wasn't about his actions. It was about his heart. Do you get that? I almost got myself killed the other day, honestly. My wife's not here right now, so I can tell this. I'm driving up Blacksmith Hill. Toward my house, Friday evening. I'm driving, I see a guy, and I think he's heading down this driveway. There's a driveway that goes right down, kind of like right on this one corner of Blacksmith Hill. And I, I see a guy, he's walking, we've got a bag. It's like he's getting ready to walk down that driveway. So I keep driving. And I get right up close, and I realize it's him. He's my neighbor, by the way. We live right next to each other. And so he's, he's on his way home from work. And I'm like, <laughs> and I pull off the side of the road. All of a sudden, I realize James is running across the road, and I'm right on the corner. So if anybody comes around the corner, I'm both of he, he and I are just completely like, Bleh! and I go, Jesus, please hurry, please hurry, please hurry. Get in the car. And about the time James gets across the road, a motorcycle comes flinging around the corner. He's pretty mad at us at that, at that point. You know why, why, why do I say that? Because my initial thought at that moment was not, what I, where I needed to be, where I needed to go. I just saw a brother who I needed to ride. And I had a pat on the back. And I'm just saying, 
that's how it ought to work. Something ought to trigger on the inside of us that makes us just want to do the right thing, irregardless of what else is going on. You know what I mean? Just, just something ought to... Afterward, my, my heart's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> James, don't say anything to my wife, okay? You either, girl. There ought to be something of our character that motivates us. And just like this guy, the Samaritan, doing the right thing ought to just come out of the inside of us. Not because there's this list of things we have to accomplish, but because that's being Christ. He, that, that, other, that other thing says that we should be a preserve against the evils of society. You know how we preserve the evils of society? We become the character of Jesus on the planet. There's this thing called the Holy Spirit. Anybody ever heard of him? How many have heard of him? He's supposed to have influence on your life. Did you know that? He is supposed to make you something that you're not. There's this list of things he hopes to implant into you. It's found in Galatians 5. Those are the preservatives against the evils of society. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, listen to these words. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There are no laws against these things, the Bible says. How many of you would agree that's probably exactly the opposite of most of what you're going to get in the world? How many of you know if you really portray these nine things, people will get real thirsty around you? What is going on with that? That dude's patient as the day is long. Man, look at the joy. The world falling around around them, and they're just, they can't help but be, there's something inside them that just makes them keep going. I don't even know what's going on. Oh, my goodness, they've been so forgiving towards me. I don't even know what to do. And all of a sudden, that becomes, that begins to alter stuff, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit of God is integrated in both of these facets we're going to talk about today. But it's the character of God he wants for you. It also says there that the salt ought to maintain its basic character. If it fails to be salty, it has lost its purpose for resistance and should be discarded. Matthew 7 talks about this. Matthew 7 verse 12 says this, Do to others what you would like them to do unto you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Out of the character of your heart, you should respond to others the way you want to be responded to. Are you hearing me? He goes on to talk about the narrow gate. There's only, there's, there's only a few people that find their way into the kingdom. There's only a few people who actually find life and eternity. He goes on to say after that, there's this thing called tree and its fruit. Isn't that funny? Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is here talking about the fruit you'll find in a person's life. And he, he talks about this. Beware false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. That is what comes out of the inside of them and how they respond to things. Okay? For a lot of times in the body of Christ, I had a conversation with a pastor last week where he had some well-meaning pastors but, and, and people around him. But you know what happens? They become so wrapped up with their particular idea and thought about how ministry and theology is that they, be, they, they turn on themselves. That's crazy. You should know them by their fruit, and it's not just talking about the amount of people that get saved in their lives. It's talking about who they are and how they respond in life. Are you hearing that? Mm -mm. 
You can't identify them by their fruit. You can, you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way they act. You can, pick gra- can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? It's impossible. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown to the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its free fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. What comes out of their heart? How they respond in times of intensity? How they how they get how they get along in the course of their interaction with other people? You can tell really what's going on. And the next point is really really a scary piece of scripture because I think in some way it describes those two guys on their way on the road with the guy who got beat up by the robbers. Listen to these words. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, when are the kingdom of heaven? Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We perform many miracles in your name. But I'll reply to them, I never knew you. Is that scary? Here's, what I, here, here's my balancing act to give to you today. The Holy Spirit's involved in both of these ideas I'm going to give to you today. But here's the thing. You ought to want to be more like Christ than you care about actually doing supernatural things for him. You ought to be more concerned about lost people around you than you are concerned about anything else. His character ought to bleed through in everything that you do. And if you think just because you do some, some stuff at church or you're involved in some kind of ministry or you're doing, that you, got it, you and Jesus got it going on, that, that doesn't necessarily mean so. In fact, Jesus will use you. He'll use you up. He'll be glad to use you, apparently. And then when the time comes at the end, may not be anything waiting for you. Jesus will use, God will use donkeys to speak for him. Are you hearing me? Are you loving me anyway? And then Jesus goes on to talk about, about, about a house but on a solid foundation and how the winds will blow and everything will come. That's Matthew 7. All that's all together contextually speaking. And he says, Jesus, that you take these things that I tell you and you do them, your house is like that that's been on a rock. Are you hearing me? Winds will come, rains will fall, your house will stand, I promise. I was, I was listening to a guy who's the head of Catalyst, which is a, a leadership movement in the church. Uh, and he, he, he said these words, Brad Lominick's his name. He said, the new currency of our culture is generosity, being about others instead of yourself. He says, leaders, we have to model this. You know, that we, out of the character, uh, the, two, the two fundamentals today are this, a generous character and a witnessing lifestyle. Okay? The pursuit is our generous character. I need to lock on what's going on in the lives of other people. I'm, I'm looking into the community. I'm looking into the individual, the people around me, and I'm pursuing them. And I'm going to make sure that the character of Jesus is on display as I interact with him. I'm going to find out what their needs are, what their problems are. I'm going to find a way because God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. God's character is generosity. Why do we offer a Salvation Army FEMA training program? You know why? Because the character of God says you go find people in need and you go meet them and you help them get through it and you give that opportunity to bring the gospel along with you. And so that's why we do that. And we pursue. We'll pursue. We pursued people in Alabama. We pursued good works in Kings and Family Funfest. We And I read you a list last night of something happened. We pursue them. With the character of God, the generosity, the love of Jesus, we pursue them with that kind of stuff, and we keep running towards them in hopes of making that contact where we can actually wrap it up, and that is our witnessing lifestyle. Are you with me? 
Romans 8.29 says this, All things work for the good of those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Do you know that? But many of you, when I say that word purpose, you automatically think, if I got this talent, I got this gift, God wants me to use me in this way. But if you go and read one, verse 29, it does not say that. Those he called, he foreknew, and he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. God's calling and his purpose for you is not just to be active in, the, in doing something like that priest and that Levite. His purpose in you is for you to become more like Jesus and exude the character and the love and the joy and the peace of God anywhere and everywhere that you go. Then your actions will reflect him and your ministry will be amazing. Wow, that's the difference. The salt, our character. Our callings to take on the image of Christ. Man, I am kind of wound up and I'm crazy and I don't care. I'm breathing heavy. I need a bottle of water. I'm going the wrong way in my notes. I don't even know where which ends up right now. Light. A light is meant to shine and give direction. Individuals, Jesus described in verses 3 through 10, would obviously radiate and point others to the proper path. He's talking about the Beatitudes. Their influence would be evident like a city on a hill or a lamp on its stand. A concealed lamp placed under a bowl would be useless. Light radiating people lives with others, see their good deeds, and give praise, not to them, but to their Father in heaven. Wow. One who stands in God's righteousness by faith in him has an intimate spiritual relationship to him like that of a child to his living father. We're called to be light. Here's the wrap-up. See, because a lot of churches trying to do good stuff, trying to love people, trying to be generous, trying to be good. But you know what? They forget the wrap-up. I can make a connection to somebody. I can love them. But if I never attach the testimony of Jesus to it, I am wasting my time. I will make a connection. They will bounce off, run around in, and keep going. Like that quarterback in my high school senior football game. High school senior. High school senior homecoming football game. I'll make connections. I make them, may make them feel good for a whole afternoon. But if I never attach the testimony of Jesus to it, I never really give them what they need. We've got to have both. Our, our two-a-days are a generous character and a witnessing lifestyle. The witness is this. It's a life of testimony. Shine and give direction. We're called to be witnesses. This word testimony has to do with the book of Luke. Uh, in, in verse 24 of the book of Luke, it talks about that. Listen to these words. Jesus says, It was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Are you catching the message Jesus is giving? Done. They should pack with them wherever they go, this testimony they should have. You are witnesses of all these things. Now look at this, here's, I told you the Holy Spirit was involved in both places. Check this out. Verse 49 of Luke 24. And now, everybody say now. I will send you the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from in heaven. It's kind of neat. Here we are. We're talking about light on a hill. For these things to operate, what does it need? Power. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Jesus said, where's the Holy Spirit? Where, where, where's the power come from? 
the Holy Spirit. So as he works on the inside of us, he causes the character of Jesus to be formed, but he also adds validity to the work going on because he empowers our testimony. Ooh, I like both of those together, man. I want to be a part of the church that not only has the character of Jesus, you can see it in their generosity and their love for one another, their love for the outside world. I want to be a part of a church that has dramatic impact because the power of the Holy Spirit is attached to what they do. People who were once in darkness now have light. People who were once sick are now healed. People who were once discouraged find encouragement. People who were once lame get up and walk. People who were once dead get up and live. People who were once lost are suddenly found by the power of that Spirit. Isn't that awesome? Acts 1.8 says, he, the same guy's writing Luke, and he says, Jesus told them, go to Jerusalem, wait, and when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall receive power, and then you will be my witnesses. And he makes a progression in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in the uttermost parts of the world. And so I, there is a balancing act, because sometimes we concentrate on too much, one or the other. And Jesus says, bring them both together. Walk in generosity and do great deeds, but also let those great deeds be access for me to have influence and impact people with the power of my spirit and the truth of my gospel. You should be instruments of both. Oh, my goodness. Grab a hold of that. The whole month of October, we're going to be talking about the supernatural. That's my hope. Everybody's already kind of talking about that anyway because it's like, you know, Halloween and spooky boogie and all that stuff, you know what I mean? We're going to be talking about the real power, the real supernatural. About talk about the. Let's just show up. We're gonna have Mickey Robinson here in October. We're gonna be a whole series about just the work of the Holy Spirit. We're just gonna have a gonna have a good time, and I'm just gonna bring them together, man. Bring them together. That word witness means to be a martyr. Literally, lay down your life for the witness and testimony of Jesus. The message is this. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The message that we, that we, that we bring people is this message that Jesus stood on that mountain in, in, in Jerusalem and left the earth just shortly after. He says, go and teach. This, go, go and teach. But you know what? We can't go do that. He said, be sure of this. I'm with you everywhere you go. Teach, teach these new disciples to be all that I commanded you. I'm with you to the end of the age. But we can't do that message without the power in Mark 16, there's a retelling of the same thing that was in Luke 24, the same thing that was in Acts 1, the things in Matthew 28, the same thing. Mark 16, he says this. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and baptized will be saved, but who refuses to believe will be condemned. There's that whole line we talked about in July. There is a line. There is heaven. There is hell. People who believe will be saved. People who won't, won't be saved. They'll be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. And when the Lord had finished talking to them, he, had taken, he was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of honor. And the disciples went everywhere, and they preached. And the Lord worked through, worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. I'm just telling you, if that's what Jesus is doing, I want to be right smack in the middle of it. Are you hearing me? But you know what I find about that? It was when they went and preached. It wasn't because they stayed congregated on top of the mountain. 
Are you hearing me? Because it's about taking this message outside, walking in the character of God and in the power of God's Spirit and doing some amazing things. Let me ask you a question. How many of you feel like, man, this message you're talking about, this power you're talking about, I'm going to hit this really hard and really fast. You better have your boots on and be ready to run, okay? Because I think it's important that we understand the message and then we also get an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do what he's got to do. Are you hearing me? How many of you would feel like today, if you got a phone call this afternoon from a cousin, from a friend, from a neighbor, and said, dude, my life's a wreck, and you know they need to know Jesus, how many feel like you could walk them through that? Anybody? How many people would just feel like, dude, I could walk them right through the gospel right now? See, I thought so, because I was hoping it would be more than that, but I didn't think it would be. Because you know, you're going to get a lesson real quick. So strap on and roll. Okay, you're with me? The gospel, I went through this a couple weeks ago. Here's the message. Are you with me? The gospel is this, the G, God created us, there should be an us there, for relationship with him. Okay, that's G. You find that answer in Genesis 1, 26. God said, let us make man in our image. God wanted us to be connected to him from the very beginning. Are you with me? Our sin separates us from him. Genesis 2, 17, he tells them not to eat the fruit. You'll surely die. We'll be separated from me. Verse 3, uh, chapter 6, I mean, chapter 3, verse 6, the woman convinced she saw the tree she ate. Boom, the separation happens. Sin cannot be removed by good works. Isaiah 64, 6 says, we are all infected with and, and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Ephesians 2, 9 says, salvation is not a reward for doing good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. We can't do good things and remove the sin factor. It's impossible. But here's this good news. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and he rose again. How cool is that? 1 Corinthians 15 is a synopsis of the gospel. I passed on to you what's most important, Paul says. Well, it was passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He says, so you see, in verse 21, that death came into the world through a man. Now the resurrection of the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given life now. Is that awesome? <clears throat> Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, the eternal life, or eternal life is offered to all who will receive Christ. And let me make this statement. You want to write that out to the side? Write these five letters. A-L-O-N-E. Christ alone. You got me? A-L-O-N-E. Who will receive Christ alone. The only way. Jesus writes in John and tells him, John, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one gets to the Father except through me, Jesus writes. The L. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I come to give life and give it more abundantly. Then he says in Revelation 22, 5, and there will be no night there, no need for lamps, for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Oh, yeah. Here's the cool thing about the Scripture. I don't know if you caught those, those, those parent, the parentheses there. The whole Scripture is laid out like this. Genesis 1 and 2 is God creates for a relation with him. Genesis, th- Genesis 3 is man being separated from God because of sin. Genesis 4 through Malachi 4 is good deeds trying to take care of the problem, and they don't work. The whole Testament is all about this whole process of doing right stuff and trying to keep the law, and it don't work. 
So John, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all about this guy Jesus who came to live and die and pay the price for our sin. The book of John is where you find John 3.16, John 14.6, all those things where it says Jesus being the only way to take care of the problem. And then Acts through Revelation is all about this life Jesus has given us and the eternity waiting for us. Is that amazing? The scripture laid out just like that. Wow. So let me ask you a question. Where's your character at today? Where's your testimony at today? Where's your power at today? Where are those things? And in, in, in the book of Philippians chapter 2, see, so that no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. There's your character. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. There's your light. There's your testimony. Hold firmly to the word of life. Never let go of it. What's your interaction with, with those outside like today? Would they say you're a people of character? Would they say you're a person who resembles the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, the peace of Jesus, the grace of Jesus, the, the forgiveness of Jesus? The, the, where is that? Let me ask you another question. Where, do you live uh, utilizing generous character and the, and the gifts of the Spirit at the same time? Because most of us bounce one way or the other. And Jesus said, let's bring it all together. Let's bring the fruit of the Holy Spirit together with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and let's have some amazing, radical impact on the planet. If I had a rock in a pond, I'd grab the biggest rock I could find. I'd, I'd splash every one of you right now, I promise. Have you grabbed the whole of the message? Do you know, can you, can you, when you go to eat at Red Lobster when church is over here, and the waitress is there and she's bawling, can you lead her to Christ? You can now. Take the notes home with you. Take them to the, set them right there on the table if you got to. Because that's what we're about. That's what we do. This is what we are as Christians, as followers of Christ. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to foster that character, to energize your lifestyle and your witness. Where are you in the whole, the, whole, the whole idea that I've discussed today? These fundamentals of a character, a generous character, and a witnessing lifestyle. Where, where are you in that? Colossians 4, 5, and 6, I love this. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. The NASB reads the same thing like this. Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders. Be generous. Have a great character. Make the most of the opportunities presented to you. Are you hearing me? Let your speech be always with grace as though seasoned with salt. Don't you like those words? Doesn't that sound like really familiar what we've been talking about? So that you will know how you should respond to each person. Leaders, if you come up with me, join me up here. Today, if you say, man, I've got, number one, if you say this, I don't know Jesus, that gospel thing you just described, I have, that's the, I don't know anything about that. We, we want to pray with you. Right now, there's somebody in this room who says, you know what, I don't know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not walking with him. Anybody like that right now? Let me look around here. Not living in a, in a place, and this, you know what, sometimes I do it different, but right now it's not a time to go, you know, eh, this is for real. Heaven and hell hang in the balance for you. If you need Jesus, we'll introduce you to him. We'll walk you through that gospel thing I just presented and let you come to life with Christ. Anybody? Look at this, no music. Nobody bowing their heads? No, 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 no. Not today. Time to be for real. Now, listen to this. How many of you would say, dude, my character just needs some work and I know it? Anybody? Don't be shy. 
Good, 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 good. Stand up. You guys stand up right now. I'm going to let the people who are are outside the church be shy. Don't let the people who are inside the church be shy. Okay, you guys, you just responded to that. Okay, how many of you would say, dude, or Aaron, maybe. Some of you don't like dude. Aaron, Jesus, my life, I got to take on that that, that that witnessing lifestyle, and I absolutely need the power of the Holy Spirit because I just can't do it myself. I need an infusion of his strength and his power. I need that baptism of the Holy Spirit to help me along. He's like that. You who need help with your character, what I want you to do? I want you to just come find a place at the altar. Okay? And don't be shy. Just come on. You stood up to do that? Just come here and just get before Jesus. Jesus, I need the infusion of your Holy Spirit, the character of God. You who need the power of the Spirit, who need, 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 need a new, who, how many of you raise your hand about that? I want you to come find a leader real quick. And I want you to let them pray with you. Leaders, you guys spread out that way and that way, whatever. You need, you need the power of God's Spirit. You need the baptism of fire like Jesus talked about, like Luke talked about. Look at this. Leaders, I want you to pray for people to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. They come up to you. They need a new filling. They need a, 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 a first-time filling. They need whatever. Just you, you just pray with them, all right? The Bible talks about it over and over again, from the book of Acts all the way through the, the, the epistles of Paul and Peter and those guys, to, be, to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. The rest of you, stand up. You're not off the hook. I want you to pray right now for these. At the altar... These praying with leaders about the power of the Spirit, and I want you to extend your hands for them and say, God, do your work in them. Help the gospel to be planted deep. Help the character of Jesus to be planted so great that it's all that comes out. Pray for them right now. Don't, and don't be shy. Pray for them like you'd want them to pray for you if you were up here. Give them, give them the, the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous makes much power available. They need the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of us standing here want an infusion of the power of God. Pray for them that God would meet them right here. That they'd be baptized with fire and with power. They would be the witnesses. Jesus talked about Acts 1 and Luke 24. Jesus, you see all of these here. Lord, I pray, God, right now, Jesus, that you would meet each one. God, I pray, Father God, that the infusion of the character of God would be given. Lord Jesus, love and joy and peace, God, would overtake their lives. That God, Jesus, just the normal things of life, they respond to circumstances, situations. God would be altered. And suddenly, like that man, that Samaritan God, compassion would rise up. Things from the inside would rise up. And they would not just think about what do God. they just respond and react like you would want them to react. Lord, I pray the character of God would overtake right here, Jesus, right now, Lord God, All the issues, God, that keep them frustrated and angry about who they are and where they're going, God, I pray, God, you would touch them and help them. I pray, God, the character of Jesus would overtake each one, God. And I I pray, Lord Jesus, your blessing would be there. Lord, I pray, Father God, that that, that they would have a new outlook at people. They have a new outlook, Lord God, at their circumstance. They have a new outlook, God, that Jesus, they can overcome. That Jesus, they can't be full of joy. They can't be full of peace. They can't be full of hope. God, I pray, Jesus, that right now the people around them would recognize the ring light of the, of, of the gospel, that their lives just would make people hungry and thirsty for the things of God, that Jesus, right here, right now, in this place of surrender, Lord, your grace and your mercy would be given, and it would be dissed into them and dissed out of them, God. I pray that the, the power of the Spirit right now, God, the character of God would take hold. It would take root, Jesus. I pray, Father God, they would know the blessing of God. 
the power of God. Jesus, I thank you, God, for doing that. I bless you, Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. Lord, we want to be the not just a church that talks stuff. We want to be a church that lives stuff. We want to be a church that, that teaches well. We want to be a church that lives well. We want to be a church that just preaches power. We want to be a church that lives power. We want to be a church, God, that changes light and darkness into light. God, that changes, God, depression into encouragement. God, we want to be a person. We want to be a church, God, that gives opportunity, God, for the grace and the power of God to be given. Holy Spirit of God, minister to each one all the way across here, Lord Jesus. Power of God, strength of God, infusion of your power, Jesus. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is the agent through which everything happens on the earth. He ministers to his church. He ministers through his church. He ministers around his church, doing the work of God. Without him, we can do nothing. Our connection to him is everything. Lord Jesus, we love you. Lord Jesus, we love you. Let it be said of us, Jesus, that we look like you. Let it be said of you, us, Jesus, that we live like you. That the miraculous happens through us like it happened through you. Jesus, remind us that you said we would do greater things than you did. Let us be desirous of those things. Lord Jesus, Lord God, none of these here still kneeling at this altar, God, can be what they can be in their own flesh, Jesus. They need the work of your Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus, can I pray, God, as I prayed this morning, so that we have an over a supernatural dose of joy given to them, like an eruption, Jesus, that God, they could not contain it on the inside. Laughter would come out of them. Lord Jesus, crying would come out of them. Lord Jesus, love would come out of them. God, your word says your joy is our strength. Well, we pray your blessing right now. Right now, Jesus, make us fit for duty, Lord. Let our fundamental lives, God, be lived in such a way, God, that the world around us is changed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want you guys who are kneeling to do me a favor. Stand up where you are. Stand wherever you are. I want you to grab. I want you to grab hands. The Bible says that they were all in one heart. They were all in one accord. They were all in one mind. And the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they received power to do what they could not do. They received power to be what they could not be. Peter's a guy who's petrified, check this out, he's petrified to speak to a young servant girl younger than him at a fire when Jesus is facing his darkest moment. And 50 days later, Peter stands up knowing his life could be very well on the line and he preaches a gospel in front of thousands to the tune that 3,000 people come to know Christ in one day. See, Peter could not be that by himself. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he received power to be what Jesus had always intended him to be. He received an infusion of character and an infusion of power that made Peter something that he by himself could have never been, could have never done. Let's pray right now. Jesus, as these are gathered, God, make them what they cannot be on their own. 
She says, help them to do what they cannot do by themselves. God, I pray, God, for your power and your life and your strength to be given. I pray, God, your joy would come upon them, that your peace that passes understanding, God, would be given. And the Lord Jesus, as they walk out of here today, they would not be the same people as when they walked in. That suddenly, God, the load is lighter. That suddenly, Jesus, life is different. That suddenly, God, they would be like Jaretta and feel like they've had a, 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 an, a, an eye operation. And suddenly they see colors and things they never saw before. And suddenly, Jesus, life just is different. Life acts different. Life reflects differently. Lord Jesus. I pray, God, that you would move on their behalf right now. Lord Jesus, give them your strength. Give them your life. Holy Spirit of God, let their chant, let their, their, let their cheer, let their life be that of John the Baptist, that I keep in decreasing, Jesus, that you might increase. Lord Jesus, let that be their anthem. Let that be not just what they say with their lips. Let their hearts scream that, Lord Jesus, and let your spirit overtake them in that moment. Jesus, we trust you. Jesus, we love you. Let us live the way you want us to live, combining the character and the power of your spirit with the message of the gospel smashed between them, Lord. God, I thank you, Father, for that. Lord, you tell us you give us a drink of, that will never thirst again. Let that living water sweep over every one of these people, Jesus, every one of them. In the name of Jesus, we bless you. I grew up, I'm a, I love football. It's the one team sport I played like all the way through. I mean, I, 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 I would, I love, I love. I used to play defense. I played one year of offense, and I hated every bit of it. And I, 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 there's something about making that contact. There's something about the, the, the impact at the end of that play that just, oh, it just gets my motor running. I can't even, ah! I can remember one time during practice, I was playing defensive end. I came around the corner, and I could tell from the play that they were running the reverse on us. And I saw the little wide receiver dude coming, 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 just kind of lagging, lagging, lagging. And I timed it so I was right there. As soon as the ball touched his gut, dude, he just got smashed. I mean, he just, and I woke up in my eye. I mean, I woke up. Yeah, I probably did. Um, I got up off the ground, and my eyes are like, and I remember our middle linebacker came over, and he, just, he about tackled me after I made the hit. He said, dude, that was awesome. Dude, you can't see, can you? I'm like, dude, I just feel like kind of like, oh, my goodness. And I just, because we made that, and there was just something about making that contact, making that connection, just, maybe that's why God called me ministry, I don't know. Because, you know, we as Christians, we're called to make the hit. We're called to have an impact. We're called to make contact. Football is a contact sport. It is impossible to play football and not touch somebody. It's impossible to be on the field of play and not get touched by somebody else. And sometimes we as Christians think we can play this game called Christianity and not touch someone. And we think we can get by being on the field and not be touched. But God intended something else completely different. We're doing this thing called two-a-days, which is a football reference during the month of August. Teams do practices twice a day, and they try and get fundamentals and elementary things 
to get ready for the season across with their players and inundate them with them. And so we've been trying to do that for the month of August. We talked about the power and the programming we must have as being diving into the scriptures and being locked into prayer with our Father of week number one. Our connection to Him is vitally important. Then we talked last week about our, our connection to one another. We talked about the ooey-gooey of fellowship and accountability. Remember that? And so it was about our connection here. And then this last week of two-a-days, we're going to turn our, connect, turn our focus off of our connection to our Father, off of our connection to each other, and we're going to turn it outward outside the walls of this thing we call the church building and talk about the necessity of the life that we lead and the impact it's supposed to have. You know, we, we are called. I was at, I was at, a, I was at a, a dinner last night. Pastor Steve Smith of Tabernacle Baptist Church probably is just finishing up his last message as the pastor of that church after 21 and a half years right now. They had a reception for him last night, and one of the guys spoke about him last night said it would be like, he said, you know, you heard the proverbial story about the pebble being thrown in the water and the ripples that go out from it. He said, Steve, you're no pebble. You're a big boulder that God threw into the community of Ross County and the splash. When it was amazing when the place was packed out last night. They had a new life center. I mean, there wasn't hardly a spot to sit anywhere. We walked in. I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know what? It's easier for us to assess when a pastor does that. But you know what's funny? The pastor's job is really not to be the, the, the big boulder. The pastor's job is to equip you to be the big boulder. You know what I mean? Equip you to do the work of ministry. What I want today is for you guys to, to find the equipment to become the big splash. To be, to be ready to make a difference. So, with that, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. There's this drill we used to do in football. This, this is, people want to know, I had a guy ask me the other day, what did you, are, you, are you an old Miss fan? Rebel, Rebel, Rebel football. No. Um, that was, this is the high school I, I played, played football for in Florida. Um, this is not 25 years old. Um, somebody asked me, is that 25 years old? No, I bought like three years ago. We were on vacation. Went to go see a Friday night game, and I bought a T-shirt. Although I do have one that's 25 years old. I'm kind of I'm scared, scared to get out of the bin because I figure if I touch it, it's probably going to disintegrate. But... Um, but this is a team I used to play for. We used to play, we used to, we used to do this drill called, called pursuit tackling. And Sean, would you stand up for me? You don't mind getting hurt this morning, do you? Okay, okay. Look at how big he is. Am I crazy? Anyway, um, there was, there was this, this pursuit tackling drill. What, what you'd do as a defensive player, you would line up where you'd, your position would be on the field. They would have dummies set up, and the coach would tell you where your line of pursuit was to be, the first place you could make contact with the ball carrier, and you'd have to pursue. Here's the thing. On the pursuit for each person on the team, there was a different line of pursuit they had to take to make the contact. If I was playing outside linebacker on the opposite side, my trajectory would be a little bit different than the guy on the, on the end or the other end or the other outside linebacker, or the safety, or the middle linebacker. We we don't have to, our goal was the same, to make contact with the ball carrier, okay? And in in that contact, we would run around the end. They'd make it, we couldn't touch him until he he made a certain course to get us all used to running toward the ball, okay? And there was a two-facet thing there. You had to realize what the pursuit angle was, where that person was going to be, and make your point concerning your speed and your agility and your ability to get there, and to make a place of contact, okay? 
So here's what would happen. Sean just slowly kind of like, act like you're running down the sideline right there, not, not fast. So I would come out like this. Form tackling. There is a rhyme and a reason to tackling. Some of you guys watch football and go, well, as long as you hit the guy hard enough, it'll be a pretty, pretty good deal, right? There's, there's, there's more to it than that. There's a technique. There's this thing called the wrap-up. That even, sometimes even if you hit the guy hard enough, if you don't wrap up, you can forget it. The dude ain't going down. My senior season, homecoming game, I'm playing the outside linebacker, defensive end, depending on the play at that time, and they're, run, they're an option team, which means I got quarterback all day long. Almost the end of the second quarter, we're playing to a 0-0 tie. The quarterback comes running on an option. He's about 6'3", 225. I'm about 6'1"-ish and about 185 pounds, okay? I come in, I see him coming, and my eyes are locked. I'm like, here it comes, here it comes. I'm about three yards deep in the backfield, and I'm just about ready to smash this guy, sort of. And, um, and so I hit him. Bam, I mean, just make perfect contact. You know what I didn't do? didn't rap. Because I didn't rap, he bounces back about three yards. We both got stars in our eyes and stuff like that. He greens his bear and kind of shakes his head, runs around the end 65 yards for a touchdown. The pivotal play of the game, everything changes. Ball game over really at that moment. So I know what it means like to make the, the pursuit, make the contact, and not wrap up. Here's the deal. Here's, the, here's how a pursuit drill works. them today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Dude. Come here, Patrick. We didn't do this last week. We got to do it right now. Because <laughs> oh. all teammates do that stuff when you make a good play. All right. And uh, I didn't this time I, not, I didn't pat him on the butt. You catch that? Anyway. We're called to seek and save that which is lost. We're called to be in a constant pursuit tackling mode of operation. We're called to seek and save that which is lost, to make a pursuit, to head in a direction, and then make the wrap-up, bringing it to the point where through the character and the gifts and the callings and the understanding of the gospel, we wrap them up, pull them down in front of the Lord Jesus Christ where they bow their knee. And love him with all their being. That's what we're called to do. Every one of us are called to the work of ministry. Every one of us. 
So, let's dig in. Matthew 5. Are you ready? Jesus is going to tell us about how we pursue and how we wrap up right here in these three verses. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Will it be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless? You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp, then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Listen, there's no place in the kingdom for somebody who just wants to sit in a pew. If you're content not to have an influence, I wonder where your salvation is. That's just being honest. Because everywhere in the scripture, when Jesus affected a life, that life in turn affected other people. This word here, good deeds, is a Greek word, ergon, is where we get our word energy from. It has to do with, with, with business, employment. It has to do with being occupied with something. It has to do with under, to undertake something. It has to do with, 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 an, uh, with something accomplished, an artwork, an, an industry. Uh, it has something to do with a deed, an act. It, the idea also has to do with workmanship, doing something well. It has this, he says, your good deeds, your employment as a Christian, your business as a follower of Christ, your industry as somebody who claims the name of Christ, it has to be, it, it, it has, there has to be work involved. There has to be a task at hand. There has to be something you're working towards accomplishing. And our, comp, our, our thing is to be obedient to the call of Jesus, right? How do we affect, affect others? To dem- the Bible knowledge commentary talking about this passage of Scripture says this, that to demonstrate the impact, I like that word, to demonstrate the impact these people would make on their world, Jesus used two common illustrations, salt and light. These are two pictures of the Christian in closing on his Sermon on the Mount, salt and the light. He's been talking about the Beatitudes for several verses. Comes through a couple other things and it ends up here. Salt speaks of inward character that influences a decaying world, where light speaks of the outward testimony of good works that points to our God. Our task is to keep our lives pure, that we might salt this earth and hold back corruption so that the gospel can get out. Our good works must accompany our dedicated lives as we let our light shine. The two pieces of the puzzle here are this. We must have a godly, generous character, and we must have a witnessing lifestyle we must be salt and we must be light we have to be both if we're going to be what jesus wants us to be both as individuals and as a church and as a greater as a part of the the greater body of christ let's talk about this word salt how many of you guys sitting here with me right now you're going to leave here in a little bit go get lunch when the plate's sitting before you, what's going to be the first thing you guys grab? A fork? Who said a fork? How many of y'all, be honest, how many of y'all going to grab the salt shaker before you even take a taste? How many of y'all going to do that? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. Remember we talked last week about fellowship and accountability. You guys are a little healthier than the first bunch, apparently, because like hands went up all over the place. And I said, then I said, how many of y'all got problems with high blood pressure? No, I'm just kidding. And, uh, this idea of salt, salt brings flavor. Don't you like, you know, how many guys, you're looking like, dude, you are so unhealthy. What's wrong with you? How many guys, how many guys will get a piece of watermelon later and just put some, 
put some stuff on it before you eat it. Come on, I know a bunch of you are out there going to do that. Huh? This idea of salt, Jesus, Jesus, this one comes over, it's this, Jesus' followers would be like salt and that they would create a thirst for greater information. When one sees a unique person who possesses superior qualities in specific areas, he, deci- he desires to discover why that person is different. It's also possible that salt means that these people serve as preservative against, preservatives against the evils of society. Whichever view one takes, the important quality to note is that the salt ought to maintain its basic character. If it fails to be salty, it has lost its purpose for existence and should be discarded. Wow. Here's the deal. We're called to create a thirst in people about the person of Christ. We're, we're called to, to, to give them a little, like the Fritos commercial, the Frito-Lays commercial. Matt, remember that Frito-Lays commercial? But you can't eat just one. Remember that? Why do we like those? Because they're salty and they're potatoes. What else does an American need? You know? Salt, thirsty, hungry, want more. And we're to live in such a way that the character of Jesus inside of us creates that. In, in the book of Luke, Jesus talks about these two great commandments. And this guy comes to Jesus and he says, what's this idea, you know, what are we supposed to be? He says, a lawyer stood up and put Jesus to the test. He said, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said to him, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. You won't merely exist. You will live. Pretty cool, isn't it? But wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied and said to him, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers. And they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road. And he saw him. He passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to that place, saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him. And when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them, and he put them on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the robber's hands? The man responded to Jesus, the one who showed mercy toward him. He said, Go and do the same. Here's the idea. This idea of, uh, of what we are comes from the inside. Jesus says the motivating factor, number one, is a love for God. Something that's down deep, seated inside of us. Love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. That inside of you there's something churning. Not something necessarily outward all the time, but something inside of you that motivates every decision that you make, everything that you do. Your your, your goal is like intense, inner, inner love and affection towards this person. Our Father in heaven, His Son, Jesus Christ, and His Holy Spirit that works on the inside of us. There's immense love. And then He says, and the second one's like it, you love your neighbor as yourself. Again, there's something going on on the inside that motivates you and how you act towards people and how you respond to them, what you do for them. And he tells this story, and he says, you know what? Here's this guy. He's, he's beaten up. He's tore up. He's, he's, he's messed up. And there's these two people come walk, walking by. The funny part is they're both supposedly in the service of the Lord. 
One's a priest and one's a Levite. They both work at the temple for Jesus, for God, all the time. And they had this, this outward thing happening where they're doing this activity, but they have the ability to walk right by a guy in need. The next thing, the Samaritan, who shouldn't have anything to do with this guy because they're of different ethnicities and different things like that, a lot of, a lot of roadblocks in the way. And the Bible says, puts, puts, puts a very important phrase in the middle of there. Before the guy does anything, the Bible says this, he had compassion. And then it tells you what went on from there. See, something started on the inside of that Samaritan that wasn't going on the inside of those other two guys. It was an issue of character. He was, he was taking on the character of our Father in heaven. He was motivated by love. He was motivated by, by a, a working of God's Spirit that motivated him to, to stop and do something nobody else was willing to stop and do. It's the fulfillment of those two great commandments. It's loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm gonna tell, I'm, can I tell myself? I could have died Friday. And I said, those words, look at her. I, I could say this fine in the first service, but now I look at my wife and I go, that's crazy. I'm driving down the road. I'm on my way home Friday evening. And as I'm driving up the road towards my house, I see a guy walking with a hat on, a bag around his thing, and it looks like he's getting ready to walk in over this, this driveway, down over the hill. I'm coming around this corner, and as I get right here, I realize he's not going over the hill, and I realize it's my it's my neighbor's, my neighbor. And my first initial reaction was just nothing, but he needs, he needs for me to stop because he's still like four miles from home. So I just mash on the brakes and pull over to the side of the road. By the time he's trying to get across to me where I'm at, I realize I'm right on a curve. And if somebody comes flying around the corner, we're both dead meat pretty much. And I've seen, I've been one who just flies around that corner. Why do I tell you that story? Because you know what? At that moment, it wasn't important to me about anything else, not getting where I needed to go, what time it was, or anything. I saw a guy that I knew needed help, and I stopped to help him. Thinking about the ramifications later. In fact, by the time he's halfway across the road, I thought, oh, my goodness. And by the time he just got stepped off the road, this motorcycle comes screaming around the corner, and the guy had a few choice words to say to both of us, and, and kept on going around the road. See, that's what I'm talking about that you respond from something on the, the inside that maybe goes past what your brain's thinking, that goes past what your schedule looks like, it goes past the things that have to be done, it goes past your religious activity, it goes past the roadblocks of ethnicity and all that other stuff, and you just do something because you know it's the right thing to do. I'm not trying to pump myself up because I was really stupid. I mean, that was dumb. I mean, after I got ready to drive away, I was like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> watch this. Oh, thank you. So much. Ah, I'm a dummy. I'm such a dummy sometimes. Something on the inside has to trigger us. Because if we just do stuff that's on the outside, it doesn't make any difference. It's, it, it's that that causes people to want a greater information, to want to want know more about Christ. He, he also says, he says there, it's, it's a preservative against the evils of society. Think about society. You know what a preservative against the evils of society are? Anything other than what's going on in society. What's society about? Society's about me first. Get out of my way. I got things to do. Leave me alone. You mess with me, I will, I'll, I'll beat the tar out of you. you. You know, think about that, okay? That's how society rolls, right? Am I right? What's the opposite of that? The opposite of that is this thing called, there's this, there's this person called the Holy Spirit. And as we as follow, hey, you guys have heard of him, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? You guys are with me. As we follow Christ, he's supposed to come live on the inside of us. 
And he enables us to be something we can't be by ourselves. And in the book of Galatians, the Bible talks about this thing, the works of the flesh. And we would, I'd call them the evils of society. There's a list. And he, Paul says, those are evident. And then he gets to the bottom of the barrel, and he says, listen, now that we've talked about that, listen to this right now. Galatians 5, 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things, the Bible says. You want to preserve it against the evils that are out there? You act like those, that list right there. You allow the Holy Spirit of God to do in you those things that you operate in love when you shouldn't. You have joy when the world's falling apart. You're, you have peace that passes understanding at the moment that the, 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 the turmoil is happening at work or in your family or wherever. You operate in forgiveness and faithfulness and self-control. And all of a sudden, man, you've created an atmosphere where the evils that normally take place can't take place. It's a preservative against that. But it takes the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't produce that by yourself. And it's about the, that, is, that is the character of God. That is the life of Jesus being played out. That is him showing up big in your lives. Love, joy, peace. But he also says it's about character. That the salt ought to maintain its character. If it fails to be salty, it has lost its purpose for existence and should be discarded. Here's a, one of the scariest pieces of scripture to me. It's found in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says these words, Do to others what you'd like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So we're right back to loving your neighbor as yourself, loving God with all your heart right there. With me? The next part, he goes in that thing we talked about the whole month of July, about eternity. He says there, there's a narrow road and there's a wide road. Do there be that find it right there in the middle of all that. Then in verse 15, he says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. Okay? That is by the way they act. It says, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. I, used to, I talked to a pastor last weekend, and we were just having a conversation. He talked about how they used to say that fruit was how many people you got saved. Not according to this. I mean, that's a part of the scenario. Don't get me wrong. But this, right here, Jesus says it's, it's how you respond. It's the character that you show forth toward people. That is your fruit. That is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, you're getting me. And you can't pick good fruit from bad bushes. Are you hearing me? There's got to be the work of God on the inside, down deep at the root level, that all of a sudden comes out when it has to. And people can partake of that and go, oh, that's awesome. He's, and he goes on to say, just as you, can't identify, just as you can identify the tree by its fruit, fruit, you can identify people by their actions. How many people have you known who have been preachers or other Christians and their character don't line up and it leaves a sour taste in the mouth of everybody else? Anybody ever known such? They can do all the work of the ministry. They may be able to talk well. They may be able to speak and give you everything and do all kinds of amazing stuff where church activity is concerned, but something's missing. Are you hearing me? Jesus says that this is not the way. This is not the way. Matter of fact, he goes on verse 20. He goes, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we performed any miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Sounds like maybe there's a priest and a Levite tied up in that piece of Scripture. Possibly. What do you think? And so Jesus says, listen, I want you to exude my character. I want the fruit of your life, the thing that leaves people going, wow, is this character of love and joy and peace. Be able to eat of that and remain thirsty and hungry for me. He goes on to talk about building a solid foundation right after that. And it talks about doing what God said do, being obedient, building a house on a rock. When the winds come, the rains fall, bam, it stands. Romans 8.28 is a familiar piece of scripture. Many of you know that. It says, and we know that all things work for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Don't you guys love that? I mean, that's an amazing piece. It's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a foundational scripture that I just I draw on almost every day of my life. The funny part is we hear that word purpose, and immediately for all of us, we start thinking, my ministry at the church, my this, my that, here's what I'm doing, here's what i got going on. And if you, keep, if, you, if you stop reading there, that's what you'll think. You read verse 29, it says this, for those he called, he foreknew. Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. God's, God's biggest purpose for you is not for you to do amazing things. His biggest purpose for you is this, you become like Jesus. You exude his character. That's his word, not mine. And you can be used by God and never make it to heaven and never really get, leave people the way you, they ought to be left. I mean, that whole list is, is all these supernatural things, casting out demons and all that kind of stuff. Jesus says, I don't even know you. We have no relationship. There's none of my character even inside of you. Because God will use people. He'll use anything. He will. He used a donkey. Don't look at your neighbor, please. Okay? He will. His biggest purpose for you is you to begin to become like Jesus. And you have his character and you have his life. So when you do amazing things for the kingdom, they have lasting impact. When people go, dude, that, mean, that person means business. That woman means business. That, that, that family is serious about their walk with Christ. And you know what I find is one of the hallmarks you'll find of people who are really following Christ is they're just, they're just generous all the way around. They're generous with their time. They're generous with their money. They're generous with their hope. They're generous with their feelings. They're, they're just generous all the way around. But that's God. For God so loved that he, that's the hallmark of all that we have, isn't it? John three sixteen. it's right there. A generous character, a godly character is is. Fundamental number one, we have to have. And we only have that by the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Are you with me? The towing the line here is this th there's this thing of character and there's this thing of supernatural power stuff, which we're going to get to next. Because that's to be a part of our witnessing lifestyle. We've got to have the character of God in association with the work of the Spirit doing things we can't do. Are you with me? Our light. This idea of that pursuit drill is this, making it a connection, Right? Our character, our generosity, our, our desire to do good works is that connecting point. See, I can stand over here right now. If Sean's standing there, I can go through right here, standing here, and he's over on the sidelines. I can run through all the cycles of what a form tackle looks like. I can stand right here, run through the motions. If I'm never, ne ne never, ne never close enough to Sean to actually wrap him up, I look really stupid. Because he's over there, I'm over here going, boom, boom. Boom, and he's never going to fall. 
Because there's a distance between me and him. You got me? The character part of that is working in such a way, to live a lifestyle in such a way that I can connect with an individual. That we as a church can see where society is going, figure out where things are happening, figure out where the need is going to be, be strategically place ourselves to be there when the need happens. Salvation Army, FEMA training. And make a connection. Now, simultaneously, if I make the connection and don't wrap up, it's been fruitless too. I gotta get close enough to connect, but I gotta follow through with the light of the gospel, the power of God's Spirit. Are you hearing me? The light. The light is this a light means to shine and give direction. Individuals, Jesus described in verses 3 to 10, would obviously radiate and point others to the proper path. Talking about the Beatitudes. Their influence would be evident like a city on a hill or a lamp on its stand. A concealed lamp placed under a bull would be useless. Light radiating people live so that others see their good deeds and give praise unto them. Not unto them, but unto their Father in heaven. So here's the deal. Shine and give direction. Are you hearing me? If I make a connection with somebody and never give them direction about how to find real life, I'm blowing it. I can be good to people all day long. I can give them every piece of dollar I got in my pocket. I can give them everything in my house. I can, I can make sure they got gas in their car, food on their shelves. I can make sure they know somebody, that I got a phone, all that stuff. But if I never give them the true direction that they need, I am missing it. Some, see, churches for too long have gone one way or the other. They've gone clear over here where they go, oh, we just do good stuff. We'll just pursue people and just see what happens. Good. good. We'll just, you know, we'll give out food. We'll, we'll help out in disasters. We'll do that. And they never do the wrap-up. They never put the gospel in there with what they're doing. Look at people clear over here. All they want to do is do the gospel. Want to tell people that they're going to, going to hell. They want to tell people that, you know, God, Jesus is the only way. But they never show the character of God. They never give out any generosity. They want to make sure you know the four spiritual laws and all that stuff. And they, they're trying to make the wrap-up. They can't even get close enough to even make contact. What Jesus intends is we come right back over here. We live our lives pursuing that which is lost. We try and find a way to connect to them. And at the moment we make connection, we have the power of God's Spirit and the impact of His gospel, and we wrap them up with a bear hug that they can't get out of. And suddenly, they find themselves bowing before the Father in relationship to the God and the King who created them. Isn't that awesome? That's what He wants for what he wants. Shining, give direction. Our testimony has to be attached to the Holy Spirit, just like the fruit. Luke 24, you'll find these words from Jesus. He says these words, listen, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And he describes what it is. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of all these things. There's the message. There's the wrap-up. But he also knows something else. Light requires power. There's a light right there. It has a function. There's no power attached to, attached to it. It don't mean beans. So Jesus says, you got the message. you got the light hookup. Now let's connect to the power. Verse 49 says, and now I will send the Holy Spirit, just as my Father promised. 
But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. You take the power, you take the message of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. God's working a work of character on the inside of you. So outwardly, suddenly things begin to happen where you can speak as one having authority. You can share as one having the anointing of God. You can touch people and all of a sudden healing begins to take place. You can, you can begin to utter words to them that nobody, that, they, that you shouldn't know because the power of God and the working of God is inside of you. And suddenly you, you bring a combination that's just, that, that, that's just it, it's deadly where the works of darkness are concerned you got a character of God, the love of Jesus, combined with the message of the gospel and the power of God's Spirit, who is the only person who can draw people to God anyway, and then suddenly great things happen. Acts 1.8 says, Luke, the same writer of this passage I just read, says, Go into Jerusalem. Wait till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When he comes upon you, you will receive power and you will be witnesses. You will bear witness testimony. You will speak of my message and your life will resemble the message that you have, both in your character and in your actions. You will operate in a supernatural level, both at a character level and at an action level. Is that cool? Listen, you guys better get old with this, but I'm going to tell you what. We're going to talk about supernatural stuff all the month of October. You know why? Because everybody's talking supernatural stuff anyway because it's, ooh, it's Halloween. Ooh, spirits and ghosts and goblins. We're going to talk about the only spirit that really matters the whole month of October. The holy, we're going to do a series called The Ghost. We're talking about the, the Holy One, the Holy Ghost. All right? So just get ready. Strap your seat on. Let's roll. All right? I believe the people of God should both have the character of God and the power of God to accomplish great things in the earth. Without both, we can do, we're missing it. We're messing up. The message is Matthew 28. The message we have is this thing Jesus said on the, on the, the commission to the, the disciples to go out. Go and teach the nations everything I've taught you. Make disciples of all of them. He said, I'm with you always. My presence will go with you. He says, you've got to have power. That's Mark 16. The same, Luke 24, Matthew 28, and Mark, six, Mark, Mark 16, 16, 15, um, are all parallel passages of Scripture. We're talking about the same thing. Jesus is saying, listen, go. Go, 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 and I will go with you. Mark 16 said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Those who believe shall be saved. Those who don't believe shall be condemned. So how's that for your eternity issue? Jesus made it pretty clear. There is a line. Go, go listen to our message in, in July. Our major motivation. There is heaven. There is hell. There is eternity. Get used to it because we've got to make a decision. And Jesus says, you go preach the gospel. Some will believe. Those who believe are saved. Those who don't, they're condemned. Is that, that make it any clearer? Then he goes, these supernatural things will follow them that believe. They will cast out demons in my name. Power. They'll speak in new tongues, new languages. They will, able, they will be able to handle snakes. Now, I'm not getting any snakes, okay? That's just dumb. Are you hearing me? I'm not going to have any vats of poison up here. Somebody go over and take a drink. Let's see who's, who's got the most faith. But I did hear a story about a witch doctor, a missionary went to go check up on. He invited him to dinner. Everybody encouraged him not to because they knew that witch doctor was going to pull some stuff. And he fed this missionary, tried to poison him. The guy gets up the next morning. The entire village is waiting for him to walk out of the hut. He walks out, and he's like, what's, 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 going, what's going on? The witch doctor is just shaking his head like, I don't, know, I don't know what to do. I gave you enough poison to kill an elephant. Seems like I'm still here. Anybody want to hear about Jesus? And the whole, the whole tribe gets saved right there. That's what he's talking about when it says that in there. We're not going to, like, put any, like, I'm going to, you know, put a coffee carafe up here and say, hey, there's arsenic in here. Anybody want something? 
Let's see how holy all the rest of you are. You know, nothing like that. But we're in, the, we're in the process of carrying out the message of the gospel and taking it to everywhere, every place. We will find ourselves in, ho- in horrible situations, impossible situations. The power of God will show up and, and display to everybody, dude, this is for real. This is God. He, you need to listen to the people who brought the message because they got it. Are you hearing me? Our whole problem is we think that all happens inside here. Because you go and read Mark 16, it says, go and preach the gospel of every creature. The Bible says the Lord worked with them, confirming the preaching of his word with signs following. It wasn't what happened inside there that it happened. It was what went on out there. We get really wrapped up about how many things happen right here. And the more I read the Bible, the more I see it's not about what happens right here. It's what happens right here with the, the people who meet right here and go out there. That's where the Holy Spirit meets us. That's where God shows up big time. Peter walks up, the, the, the power of God over Peter, he walks up and preaches. A guy who could not preach to any, could, could, did not even knew just to like a little servant girl who was younger than he was, wouldn't, wouldn't admit he knew Jesus at one moment. The next time he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, he stands in front of thousands, and suddenly he has the unction to not only to, 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 to acknowledge he knows Jesus, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life, and all the Pharisees are hanging around the same guys who killed Jesus. He's like, dude, he's the only way, that's it. 3,000 people get saved like that. Because the Holy Spirit was at work both on the character of Peter and through the life of Peter. There was a supernatural attachment both to his character and to his actions. We can't get away from any of that. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, like today, because we have this thing of our character, we have this thing of the power of God, but we also have this thing kind of sandwiched between called the message. Today, if you guys go to Red Lobster, soon the service is over. And all of a sudden, you recognize that the waiter or the server or whoever, the waitress, is having a bad day. How many of you feel confident, like, dude, I could, I could talk to them about Jesus? I know, I know all the tools where I could, I, could, I could give them the gospel. They've got to open the door. How many of you would say that? See, I knew that would be the answer. I hoped it wouldn't be. The first service was the same way. My job is to equip you. So strap on your, your running shoes. We're going to run really fast. You have no excuse today not to talk to the waitress. You can have a piece of paper in your hand that's in the bulletin. You can run right with them. Are you hearing me? Everybody say G. Come on. It's God created us. That's the next slide, John. God created us for relationship with him. Galatians, or Genesis 127, 26. God created us in his image to be connected to him. Our sin separates us from him. That's Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. He said, you, you t- partake of that, that tree, you'll die. He didn't mean you'd die physically at that moment. He said, you, we'd be separated forever. You'd be separated from the source of life. You get that? Genesis 3, 6, they actually do that. They buy the tree. Boom, it's over. Sin cannot be removed by good works. Isaiah 64 says this, our own righteousness is filthy rags. Ephesians 2.9 says this, that it's not of works lest any man shall boast. We can't do anything good enough to get right with Jesus. The good news is, paying the price for sin, the P, Jesus died and rose again. Are you hearing me? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Are you hearing me? Are you here? Are you following along? Am I running too fast? 1 Corinthians 15 is an amazing piece of scripture. Paul writes, I passed on to you that was most, which was most important. You hear that, what Paul said? He said, this is most important. The problem with the body of Christ is we get off on a bunch of other stuff that are not so important. This is most important. 
Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. In verse 21 he says, So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection of the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Ah, man, that's powerful. That is most important, according to Apostle Paul. More important than anything else we say, anything else we do, anything else we believe, that is most important. Eternal life, E, eternal life is offered to all those who who will receive Christ. And I would write this to the edge of that. Write these five letters, A-L-O-N-E. There is no other way to the Father. Jesus is not just a way to receive eternal life. He is the way. John 14, 6. John 3, 16. Romans 3, Romans 6, 23. The way of sin is death to get the God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. For the, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that may have life. Revelation 22, 5 says this. And there will be no more night there. Talking about heaven, talking about eternity. No need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. The cool thing about this is this is also the layout of the scripture. Genesis 1 and 2 is the part of the scripture that talks about us being created for a relationship with God. Genesis 3 talks about the sin that separates us from God. Genesis 4 through Malachi 4 talks about that, that sin can't be removed by good works. The whole Old Testament is that, that this, this law thing that we keep trying to live up to that we can't live up to, that it can't be removed, we can't be fixed. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is about this guy, Jesus, who paid the price for our sin, lived and died, that we might have life. John, the book of John is about Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man comes to the Father but me. God loved, so loved the world that he gives his only begotten son. I am the bread from heaven. He goes through all that stuff. And, and the book of Acts through the book of Revelation is how we experience both that life now and have the hope of eternity waiting for us. Is that cool how the Bible's laid out? That's the whole gospel. <laughs> All the way through the scripture, right there. Let me ask you a question. Now you understand you gotta have character. You gotta understand you gotta have the power and the message. You got it. Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Where do you lack right now at this moment? The book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says this. So no one can criticize you, live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. What's your interaction with the outside? What other people say about your character? How thirsty are you making people who don't know Christ? How is your character in preserving, being a preservative in the midst of an evil and corrupt society? Are you doing a lot of church activity and walking right past the people who really need it? Just think about those things. Let me ask you another question. Where's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life? When's the last time you took a step of faith and actually decided to take this message and give it to somebody regardless of what they would say? When's the last time you offered to pray for someone who does not believe and said, I believe God can change your life. I believe God can heal your body. I believe God can fix your marriage. I believe God can do it. Let me pray with you. When's the last time? See, that's what we're called to do. Anything else we do, we're forgetting the most important. Are you hearing me? Why do we do Kingston Family Fun Fest? We can make the connection. Why do we attach the gospel to it? So we can wrap it up. Why do we take Salvation Army training? So we can make the connection. Why do we go through this on a Sunday morning called the G-O-S-P-E-L? So we can wrap it up when we get there. 
That's why. If you're saying Colossians 4, 5, and 6 is live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. The New America Center Bible reads the same passage like this. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech be always with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will, not, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. That is what we're called to do and to be. If you're sitting here right now and you don't know the, God, you don't know, you don't know the person of Christ, you just heard the gospel. The first step is just responding to him. You don't know Jesus, now is the day. The scriptures say in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, today, right now is the time, today is the day of salvation. Don't take a risk of walking out here and not being right with Christ. Just don't take, the, don't take that chance. Somebody in here right now would say, I don't, I don't know Jesus. Right here in front of everybody? Yep. Uh-huh. Anybody? You have the tools right now. You've heard the gospel. It's been right here on the screen just minutes ago. He loves you. He trusts you. He sees you as that, that, that person on the side of the road beaten up and torn up. And he's that one who would stop and love you and help you. Anybody? I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just saying if it's for real, it's for real. No matter who's looking, no matter who's watching, no matter who's, who's paying attention, that doesn't matter. There's, there's no music playing yet. No, everybody bow their heads and close their eyes and no, no, not right now. Apparently, all of you are ready to go, I presume, if Jesus calls. So I want to talk to you the rest, the rest of the morning like you're Christians. Right, you right now would say, man, I missed that godly character, generous life thing part. I've missed that whole thing of love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness. I really want to do the work of ministry, like do amazing things for God, but I've just kind of forgotten to try and find a place to connect to somebody with my, my everyday lifestyle, that something inside of me just makes me love them, and that's why I try and find a way to get close to them and, and pursue them, and I've just not been doing that. I've not lived in such a way that people out on the outside would go, man, there's something in them. That, and, some, and, he, and he's bold enough to say, hey, that's me, man. Who else? Nobody? Hmm. Need to work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask you guys who are just raised your hands just to come up here. I want you to find a place right here at this, this altar. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to do a work of character on the inside of you. If, and if this is the rest of you, somebody, any of the rest of you who want to come up here, get here right now. Some of the rest of you need to take a challenge and ask God to supernaturally empower you to, be, to, to do things you couldn't normally do. To take the gospel with you where you go. I believe in this thing in the book of Acts where the Bible says God poured out his spirit and a guy like Peter could suddenly preach to thousands when he couldn't even acknowledge Jesus in front of a little, just one little girl. You know what I mean? I believe in that, that power that, that, that Peter walks into a room and a lady who's dead suddenly is alive again. I believe in this power of this Holy Spirit of God that would take handkerchiefs and aprons from the body of Paul. They'd send them to other people and suddenly healing and things would happen. I believe in all of that. And you know what? I think the best case scenario is we take this thing of character and this thing of the power of the Holy Spirit and we bring those together with the gospel of God right in the middle of it. The gospel just, and man, we just do the work of the ministry. How many of you are right to do it? I just need the power of God. My life, my testimony is just missing something. I don't sense nothing supernatural happening in, in and around me. And I, 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 I got the tools, I got the understanding, I got the words, but I just don't have the power. Anybody like that? 
Amy, won't you come? Anybody else? Any leaders here? Who's any leaders here? Savetta, would you quit Amy? Ask God to fill her till she overflows, till she can't take it anymore. The Bible keeps talking about us being filled over and over and over again. Anybody else? I need a fresh dose of the, the ghost with the most. Who? Bonnie? Rachel, would you pray with Bonnie? I believe in this. I believe it with all my heart. The rest of you stand with me. If God's dealing with you, don't sit back there and be shy. Are you scared of the Father who loves you? Father who wants more for you than you want for yourself? You're scared of, 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 that's what I want you to do. It's time for us to activate the work of God on the inside of us. Allow his character to grow in us. Allow himself to give us opportunity to share the gospel with people and to expect he's going to show up in big, miraculous, powerful ways when we do that. It's time for that. It absolutely is. I want you to pray for these who are sitting here right here, right now. You may not know their names. You may not know their situations. But you know that they need uh, something that, that only Jesus can offer them. The Holy Spirit of God can offer them. Jesus, God, we pray. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, you see the two ladies here who just want more of the power of God in their life. I pray, Jesus, you do a great work. But God, we also pray for the, these here. God, I pray for Bob, that Jesus, you would so saturate him with the fruit of your character, the fruit of your spirit, Jesus. There's no room for anything else. I pray the character of Jesus would bubble up on the inside of them. God, I pray you give him joy that's unspeakable. God, I pray for Tyler. God, I pray, God, your grace and your mercy, God, would overshadow him. I pray, Father God, the character that exists inside of Tyler, God, would resemble the person of Christ. That, Lord Jesus, he'd be empowered to love with an unending love. God, to grow, God, as a, as a person of God, God, as a man of God, God, and he would operate in patience and self-control, God. He'd operate, Lord God, in the gifts of your spirit and the fruit of your spirit, God. You would do a work that combines his character and your power and your message, Jesus. God, I pray for Paul, you know, all that Paul's been through. God, I pray for peace to pass understanding for him right from your Holy Spirit, the fruit of God. God, I pray, Jesus, God, you give him forgiveness God, that he can not only receive but give out, Jesus. And I pray, Father, that God, he would, he would be that person that makes other people thirsty for the things of God. When I pray, Jesus, God, you do a work in him, God, that only you could do. God, I pray, Jesus, God, for Carlene, I praise you, Jesus, that we just prayed for her the other night on Wednesday. I didn't even know who she was, but here she is this morning, Lord. And God, I pray, God, you know all that she's been through. I pray you grow the person of Christ on the inside of her. God, I pray, Jesus, she would know true joy. And I pray she would know true peace. And I pray, Father, she'd know true love. God, I pray, Father, God, she'd experience, God, everything from your hand. God, I pray you'd deliver her miraculously, God, from all the other stuff, God, that's afflicted her life. Jesus, give her freedom. Give her liberty, God. Give her wholeness, Jesus. God, we speak your blessing and your power over her right now, God, in Jesus' name. God, we let her receive from your hands. Jesus, your goodness and your greatness. Lord, we trust you and we love you, God. Oh, God, you're so faithful and you're so true. Lord Jesus, show up big. God, I pray for Marcy, God. She's standing here. Want to more be a bright and shining light, God, of the gospel of Jesus. 
I pray your grace and your blessing would be on her, God. I pray, Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God would overshadow her. God, let the fruit, God, of her life be evident to all around, Jesus. God, let her make, God, those around her thirsty for the things of God. Let her life be lived in such a way that God, the evils of society, God, would be just drawn away with, God, as people enter in, God, to where she is, God, that, Lord, she would operate in that. And I pray, Jesus, that, God, you would give her the power of your spirit, that, God, Jesus, she'd, she'd couple her character, God, her pursuit, God, of, of, the, uh, of, of those lost, God, with the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, God, the word of the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ, Lord. God, I bless you and I thank you, God, for Marcy. I pray your grace and your mercy and your power over her right now in Jesus' name. Lord, for each of us in this room, God, let it be said of the people of Church Triumphant, God, that, Lord, we are not those who just claim to know God. We exude the character of God. Let it be said of us, God, we are not, those, not just those who know a message about Jesus. We are those who live the message, both in our character and in the supernatural function of the Holy Spirit, God, that there's things that go on here, Jesus, that only people can attribute to the working of God. Lord, I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, you would overshadow each home, each family. God, I pray, God, we would know your spirit. We give you access to form and shape us. And, God, we would, we'd, we'd allow you to work in us to create opportunities for your gospel to be proclaimed. God, to make the wrap-up on those who are lost. That, Lord Jesus, we would live as those who walk as you walk. Live as you lived and proclaimed what you proclaimed, God, and did what you did. Jesus, we bless you and we honor you. And we thank you, Jesus, for doing that. God, let us be those rocks thrown in the pond that create big splashes. God, the ripples go on forever, but also it, it's, it's impact, God. It's huge what you do. Oh, we bless you and we love you. Lord, in this moment, God, we pray your grace and your mercy would be there. There's no one like you, Jesus. Holy are you, God. Great are you. I believe in a God who's supernatural. His grace is enough for you and whatever you find yourself in. He is faithful and true. Your life is meaningful to him. It's worth of is of great worth. Live like you understand that. Love like you understand that. Talk like you understand that. Respond like you understand that. There's joy to be had in the kingdom of God. Jesus, go with us. Let's be your people wherever we go, whatever we do. Hmm. I don't know. I wish I could explain to you the miracle that this is right here. Ask Wednesday night to pray for Carlene. She's sitting here this morning. That's the power of God. That's the power of God. He loves and He wants to take care of every one of you.
the people of God. Pursue that which is lost. Make that connection. Take that gospel and the power of God's spirit with you. When it Make that wrap up and bring them to the ground. <laughs> Faithful and true. They'll be the people of God. If you need something to pray, somebody pray with you. We'll hang around. Matter of fact, if you need something, let's just look at this. Let's just not act like, let's not talk like we did. Somebody, if you, if you say, man, I need, I need somebody to pray for me. Just, just keep your hand around. But anything. You got something going on with your work this week, something going on in your body, something going on in your family, something going on, just anybody. Anybody somewhere? Right here. You want to know what you do? Anybody else? The rest of you are not needy. That's crazy. Right here, Sandy? Huh? Anybody else? Dude, God's good to you guys because this is great. Why don't you guys do me a favor? When you leave, somebody come over here and you, you be the hands and feet of Jesus for Karen. You be the hands and feet of Jesus for Sandy. Anybody else? Have something you need God to move on on your behalf. Somebody, is Rusty and Louise still back there? They're gone. Always needs prayer. Anybody else? Do that for me. Go. Don't just listen. Do. You hear me? Go be the people of God. You're free to go. Somebody get Sandy's hand and pray with her. I get Karen's hand and pray with her before you leave. Then go find that waiter, that waitress, that neighbor. And find a way. We are in His presence to magnify His name when we seek His face. Glory fills this place as we worship the King. We're in His presence.